tonight to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 10, tonight. Will one of you boys remember to go throw them my rock away? Don't throw it at anybody, though. Okay? Forgot that. It'll be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter uh, 10, this evening. I want you to be in prayer about something. Um, the Lord just increasing this on my heart. I, I really want to see us get a ladies' hope house going. And um, I, I really, I just see the need for that uh, more and more. And um, that's an increased burden that I have. Uh, and, and for me, it's not, I, I don't have... I don't have little faith in whether or not we can find a place, the location, purchasing, all that. I'm not worried about that. Uh, what I'm praying about is the right person to lead it. Uh, because that is, you've got to give your life to that ministry. And, and that, that, I just, I don't need somebody to do it and say I'm going to do it for six months or a year. Somebody's got to be committed to that. And uh, I want you to be praying with me about that if you would, okay? Uh, please do so. Uh, let's open your Bible tonight. You're in Mark chapter 10. Let's all stand together. We're pretty much going to stay here and in Mark 5, and I'll be mindful of the time this evening, and um, let the Lord help us, okay? Uh, Mark 10, let's, let's pick up in verse 17. Uh, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do? that I may inherit eternal life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word tonight. Help me to preach it. Help me to be true to the scriptures. Help me, Father, to uh, help everyone that is here tonight. Uh, Lord, a lot of times we feel less than. And we beat ourselves up. And we dismiss ourselves to the point that we often make excuses. I pray that you'll challenge us from your word tonight to allow you to accomplish your perfect will in each of our lives. We pray this tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to ask some help, especially from those who are up close. Um, I'm no artist by any means, but I have, a, I have something that I want all of you to look at tonight, okay? I want you to help me out here. What does everybody see? 
a black dot. Everybody see that? What does everybody see? What? A whiteboard. Wow, you are intelligent. That's true. How come 99.9% .9 of this is a whiteboard, but everybody sees a black dot? Huh? We pay attention. We pay attention to things like this. This right here is filled with potential. Amen? You can do a lot of things with this right here. So is your life. Your life is a canvas for God to paint a beautiful picture and write a beautiful story. But a lot of times we focus on the black dot in our life. We focus on the thing that mars. It's a defect. That's what, that's what our attention is drawn to. Here there's nothing to take our attention away. We see possibilities. Here, we see defects. We see black spots. We see Mars in our life. Now, I'm no Danielle Dodd here. But how about this drawing? Okay, let me tell you. These are ice cap mountains. This is, this is the sun in the corner here, okay? These are trees. I tried to do the Bob Ross technique, okay? This is supposed to be a river. I just didn't have crayons, okay? This is a river. Here's a couple little flowers. There's some flowers and some grass. Now, just so you know, there's the same black dot. Are you with me? What I'm saying is, even when there's a black dot in our life, God can do something with that. And God can, God can create beauty out of our life much better than Ricky Clemens can. Amen. Thank you. That's payback right there, isn't it? God can do something with our life. All kinds of potential. And yeah, there's going to be some black dots. There's going to be some things in our life that we wish weren't there. But even in those situations, God can paint beauty with what he wants to do. Tonight... I want us to focus on the challenge to reach our potential. And in this particular chapter, we're, we're introduced to a young man who had all kinds of potential. But one of the reasons we don't reach our potential is because we like to get to a place where we want to offer excuses. And those are challenges. Life isn't easy. I'm not saying living the Christian life is easy. 
but it's a whole lot easier than living a worldly sinful life. Amen? And the fruits are much better, Landon, of reaping what God can do in, with His Spirit than it is the fruits that we reap from sowing to our flesh. But we want to offer excuses many times. Some excuses are, we're not smart enough. We're educationally challenged a little bit. We see where some areas in which we're lacking. But one thing's for sure, it's not earthly wisdom as much as godly wisdom that God wants to use. Amen? It's not by power, it's not by might, it's through God's Spirit that He wants to work. And we all love Philippians 4.13, right? It's through the strength of Christ that makes us, gives us the ability to accomplish all things. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we looked at this not so long ago. It's longer than I realize, I guess. But one might say that the apostles weren't smart enough. The Bible says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And Peter certainly, you could look at the black spots in his life and think, my, 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 how he messed up. But did God not do a wonderful thing with his life? Even in his mistakes. Some might say we're financially challenged. We don't have much to offer. But I give you the young lad in John chapter 6 who gave his five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. I give you the widow who gave only two mites, but Jesus praised her for her gift. Sometimes we're emotionally or socially challenged. I'm, I'm too shy or I'm too scared. When we read about God's calling upon Moses... He offered excuses of who am I when the Lord called him. He said, Lord, who am I? Who am I that you would use me in Exodus 3.11? In Exodus 3 verse 13, what am I? He, he says, what am I going to say when they ask me who sent me? And that's where the Lord said, the great I am. And in Exodus chapter 4, they, are, they aren't going to listen to me. They're going to say, God didn't send me. And I guess... He was partially true about that because they argued with him all the time. In Exodus 4 and verse 10, he says, he says I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. He offered many excuses, but what really mattered is Exodus 4, 18, which says, And Moses went. He was challenged. We think of physical challenges. I don't have the ability. I don't have the energy. Well, I give you Lazarus, who was dead, for Lord's sake. He was dead, and God used him. Past challenges. God could never use me because of the things I have done. 
Well, he used the Apostle Paul. In Acts 26, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. And think of how God used that individual to reach a world with a gospel. I had a coach, uh, my ninth grade basketball coach, I shared with you in the past, I had four different coaches in high school in basketball. Um, My ninth grade coach was a difficult man I, I can't I can't quote to you uh, and be right with God half the things he said to me but he did have one saying and you can use this BJ he said it all the time when it got hard and it was often hard he would often say this phrase can't will never do anything That stuck with me. It is easy to say, I can't. It is easy to say, we can't. But as long as that's our mindset, we will never do anything. Amen? The potential. Here's the truth. When somebody says you have great potential, they're also saying, Gil, you haven't done anything yet. That's the truth. There's potential. I can see how God can use you. I can see what God might do in your life. There's great potential there. But maybe the reason why they're still seeing the potential is because we're holding ourselves back. And we're saying, you know, I can't do that. Oh, that sounds good, but when it actually comes down to it, I just can't. Can't will never do anything. God gives us a couple examples here in Mark. We'll look at Mark 10 and Mark 5 very quickly. The first one is the rich young ruler here in our passage, that our text tonight. We find a young man who had much to offer the Lord. We see that he was a respectful individual. Because when he came running to Jesus in verse 17, it says that he kneeled to him and asked him, Good master. I think there's a lot of potential in a a young man who is respectful. Don't you? I like to see a young man who's respectful. I like to to hear a young man say, Sir, or no, ma'am. I do not like to hear a young man say, What? I can't stand that. It's disrespectful. He comes to him and he he runs to him in this passage. And he kneels to him. Because he recognizes Jesus has something that he needs. And he's wanting to know, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? 
we find that in this young man that he is a remarkable young man in leadership. He, in Matthew 19, verse 20, he's described as a young man, but in Luke 18, verse 18, it says that he was a certain ruler. So this guy obviously had some sense of leadership. Everybody can call themselves a leader, but you're only a leader if somebody's following you. Amen? And a lot of people aren't worth following. He was, he was an individual that had responsibility. He was remarkable in character in verse 19 and 20 of, of our text here. He says, when Jesus talks to him about the commandments, he says, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And I look at that and I say, now that's hard to believe. You've kept them all. But Jesus doesn't correct him. So I'm not going to correct him. But if he's a young man who was considerate of all these things, he was remarkable in character. I also see that in verse 19 he was raised well because Jesus said, Honor thy father and mother. And he says, I've observed these from my youth. I mean, God bless that young man. He was raised well. And the ladies love him because he's rich. Verse 22, he had great possessions. I say he was a young man that had great potential. And God could do remarkable things with his life if he allowed the Lord. Not only did he have much to offer the Lord, but he sought the Lord. He came kneeling at the feet of Jesus and asked, What shall I do? He knew Jesus had the answer. The Philippian jailer went to Paul and Silas when they were in the prison and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And down on the ground in Acts chapter 9, astonished and trembling, Paul asked Jesus, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There is tremendous potential in a person who is seeking the Lord's direction with their life. Everybody agree with that? Anybody who says, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? And earnestly come and seeking wise counsel and leadership and direction. What is God's will for my life? There is incredible potential for that individual. In verse 21, he was loved by the Lord. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Yep, there's that black spot. All of us have one, amen? And the Lord can always find it and reveal it to us. He loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. But sadly, in verses 21 and 22, he rejected the Lord. About middle of the verse, Jesus says, Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. God's will said, go this way. 
and do this. Do you really want, do you really want to know? Then I want you to go this way. And what I want you to do, young man, is I want you to rid your heart of worldly possessions because they rule you. And I want you to give them to the poor. But instead of going God's way, he went his way. Instead of surrendering to God's will, he went with his will. And he was sad and went away. So rather than follow God's path, he followed his own. Look over in Mark chapter 5. Hold your place in Mark 10. We'll come back. I'm not going to read the 20 verses that have to do with this maniac of Gadara. But one thing's for sure you can read along as I'm preaching this text. This young man had nothing to offer. The rich young ruler had much to offer the Lord. This man had nothing to offer. And while the rich man seemingly had unlimited potential and would be considered by everyone most likely to succeed, the maniac had nothing to give. In verse number 2, he was unclean. The Bible says that he was possessed with an unclean spirit. The rich young ruler was remarkable. The maniac of Gadara was unwanted. In verse 3, he had his dwelling among the tombs. We see that the rich young ruler was respectful, but the maniac of Gadara was unruly. Because again, in verse 3, no man could bind him, no, not with chains. He was difficult to manage. He was difficult to discipline or to govern. In verse 4, he was unyielding. Neither could any man tame him. He was stubborn, not given in to persuasion, pressure, or force. He was unstable, in verse 5, dwelling in the tombs, crying, and cutting himself with stones. He lacked emotional as well as psychological stability. But we see that he too sought the Lord in verse 7. And while the rich man fell at Jesus' feet asking for advice, the maniac ran to worship Jesus and cried for mercy. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee, torment me not. The rich man had to have his sins shown. The maniac begged to have his unknown. The rich man thought he was okay. The maniac thought no way. The rich man had a sound mind. The maniac nearly lost his mind. The rich man was well regarded. The maniac was disregarded. The rich man had responsibility. The maniac had a disability. The rich man had much to give back. The maniac didn't have even a shirt on his back. The rich man had a self-centered spirit. The maniac had an unclean spirit. Yet the one thing that both had in common was that Jesus loved them both. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 through 41, as that chapter concludes, we find that the Jesus and the disciples, they are in the 
they are in the ship and it's going across. They're, they're to cross and go to the other side. And it's there where the winds and the waves picked up. And they, they come down to Jesus who was asleep. And they said, Jesus, do you care not that we perish? And I know it's been said a hundred times. It's been preached a hundred times. And I know that you know this. But why do we always fear when Jesus is on our boat? But we do. Lord, do you not care? And Jesus just goes up there and says, peace be still and everything is calm. Are you with me? Here's what I want you to get from this. Jesus goes across to the other side through that storm. And he reaches that one tomb dweller with scars on his flesh where he has cut himself. One who is tormented with an unclean spirit. But Jesus went across that sea and he went through that storm to reach that one individual. He would have changed everyone's life, but you know what everyone else said? We don't want nothing to do with you. Go back where you came from. He was loved of the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. In Mark 5 and verses 18 through 20, he sought to travel along with Jesus and the others, but he obeyed the Lord and followed God's will for his life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29, the Bible says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You say, I'm not an ideal candidate. I think God can do wonderful things with your life. That's the point I'm trying to get across tonight. We all must decide, we must elect, my final point, how to live. Winston Churchill once said, Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. That'll preach. That's what the rich young ruler did. He come to Jesus and he had the role. He was respectful, he was remarkable, he was dressed right, he looked right. He comes running and he falls at the feet of Jesus. I picture him as coming to this altar and kneeling down. He's pouring his heart out to God. Jesus, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And God, through his spirit, pours it upon him and brings conviction upon him. And he says, nope, nope, that's not for me. That would require me giving up too much of myself. And turns around and walks out that door different. Or the same as when he walked in. I had a preacher years ago. He encouraged me with this. I've never forgotten it. He said, preacher, don't ever judge your sermon 
by how many people come to the altar. He says because it's the ones who run out that door wanting to get right with God and see their lives change, that's the ones you affect and you may never know it. Amen? Now that maniac is there, and he says, what do you want with me, Jesus? Don't torment me. The people have tried to get him to sit still. They've tried to get him to be quiet. I had four little maniacs when, I was, when they were little in church. They won't sit still. They don't know how to be quiet. They won't dress right. They don't look right. I'm not talking about them now, okay? They don't look right. They don't act right. People are doing everything they can to tame them because they want them to look the part. And Jesus will go through a storm to get to you. Are you with me? Because he sees potential there. Yeah, I love that one right there. And after Jesus got a hold of his life, what is he doing? He's sitting, he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. So that when, that when the crowd came by him and they looked at him, the Bible says that they were afraid. What happened to him? Becoming the person God wants you and I to be does not happen overnight. I talked to an individual today. For seven years, they've struggled. They've struggled with issues in their life. And now they're trying to do, they're trying to walk the right path and give their life to the Lord and follow God and His Word. But they told me the challenges that they face. They said, man, I'm just not patient. I'm just not patient because I want everything to change today. It don't work that way. Sometimes it takes us 10 years to get into our mess. It doesn't go away in one month. It takes time. The Apostle Paul did not become the great missionary preacher right away. But reaching our potential begins with a simple response. I surrender. It begins in the heart of a sinner in need of salvation. I surrender my wicked sins. I surrender my selfish pride. I surrender to the cross in Jesus Christ. It continues in the heart of a Christian every day. I surrender my will. I surrender my excuses. I surrender my fears. I surrender myself. And when we do that, little by little, God takes the black spots in our lives and he begins to make something beautiful out of them.
And who you were six months ago is not suddenly who you were today. Same person today. Amen? Just imagine, just imagine where you'll be in six years. Just imagine. I want you to know this tonight. That whatever God is leading you to, whatever God is calling you to, He can help you do it. Put aside the excuses. Put aside the fear. Face the challenges. And allow God to paint a beautiful story with your life. Let's bow our heads tonight.